Well, it's good to be with you this morning. It's just thinking about what David was saying there. Um, we remember Christ entering Jerusalem today on that donkey and um, coming as a, a servant king. And um, as I think about that day, um, had he come and just as a king um, proclaimed a rule in the world as the Jews who were saying Hosanna and laying the branches down before him had, had wanted. Had he done that, then perhaps we could just follow him as a good example. Um, but as we know, that's not the end of the story. That was just the day where he was announcing, I'm coming as your king, but he was coming to die. And then three days later, the magnificent resurrection. We cannot stop at the example of Jesus. It's through the cross and resurrection. And we'll, we'll look into that today. Um, it's good to be with you again. Uh, some of you might remember uh, we were here a few years ago uh, visiting you, and um, it's good to be again. Um, my wife, Karen, is with us, with me today, as well as my kids. I'd like them to stand up. And then afterwards, if I said something wrong, we'll all get stoned together. No. <laughs> So my wife, Karen, and then um, these are four of my kids. So Ben is the oldest here, and uh, then Hannah, and then Will, and Justina. And uh, Tommy and Olivia are not with us today. They're um, growing up and in college and different things, So, um, but they would love to be here. It was in August 2012, and... Uh, we were in a cafe in uh, China, northeast China. We lived there and also in, in North Korea. And we had the opportunity of, of running a uh, transportation company. And God had given me the task of being the vice president of that company. And the president was away for a while, and so I was kind of in charge. And we were back in China meeting with some friends, and we got a phone call. Well, we're sipping my coffee and talking about the Lord and how wonderful everything was, and then... Suddenly, I get this phone call from inside, and it was our, our uh, co-worker saying, uh, the city has come down and told us that we need to build a sidewalk outside of our, our property. I said, well, why don't they build their own sidewalk? That's our responsibility. How much is this going to cost us? Uh, a few thousand dollars. What? Suddenly, the, the, the wonderful tone of, oh, so good and everything's great, turned to anger and frustration. And I began to carry this burden again. I've got to make this work. I've got to make sure that everything goes well and our company's profitable and all this. This is my responsibility. And, and my wonderful day went to one of, of trouble and anxiety and feeling defeated. And I think, remember walking back to my house to get, do some business, do some work there, and just frustrated and saying, God, why is it like this? And why do we always have to, you know, we're trying to make a profit, we're trying to make this business work, we're trying to be there for the good of the people, and, and what you're doing, what, what's the point? How is this all going to work? And I was, was quite frustrated and very defeated and... Um, 
And I carried this defeat and this attitude for, for the next few days. So we, uh, as we often did, we would drive our home in China and home in North Korea about four hours apart. And so we'd drive back to North Korea and across the border and, and greet the, the guards as they went through all of our stuff and um, got back in the car and drove on the bumpy road all the way back into our company in, uh, in North Korea. And uh, arrived there and still I was carrying this defeated attitude, this troubled, anxious spirit. And um, little did I know what God was going to do in the next, next day. I'll come back to that story in a little bit. The text that we're going to look at this morning is from the book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, the verses that David and, and y'all chose for this missions conference. And um, those verses are, uh, are in the middle or beginning of a book that is written uh, by the Apostle Paul in, in just such a state that I was in, one of feeling defeated. Um, he, he writes in different parts of the letter things like this. We despaired of life itself. Later, we had received the sentence of death. He would write, we are afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. He would speak of enduring afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, and so on in this book. It was a book written out of affliction but also a book that was written out of God comforting those who are in affliction. God bringing victory to those who are in defeat. The text this morning is, is from chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And I'll read that for you. You can look at it on your screen or in your Bibles. It says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Let me pray for a minute. Father, I pray that You would open Your Word to us this morning, that You would speak to us. Spirit of God, we need to hear from You. So please illumine our minds, our hearts, open our eyes, our ears to hear, to perceive, to understand what you have to say to us this morning. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for your word. Help us to hear you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, Paul would begin in these, these verses. Uh, this metaphor of the triumphal entry, or the triumphal procession, we're talking about the triumphal entry a little bit today, um, but this triumphal procession that really begins at the cross and, and the resurrection of Christ, it was a unique picture, this triumphal procession. Go to the next slide. Uh, in Rome, when uh, a conqueror would go out and conquer a certain place or, or city or, or area, uh, when they returned, they would come. There was a lot of historical evidence of these triumphal processions. Think about parades that we have today. Maybe you've seen the, the Rose Parade or some other parade. 
uh, where they go through the streets, you know, up and down, and, and everyone watches the parade from the sides. And um, this was like a parade where the conqueror would return. And in that procession, uh, there would be uh, a number of people. In the front was uh, those that had been conquered. They were the enemies of the conqueror, the enemies of Rome. And they would be in chains. And these were not just any enemies, but often the most mighty enemies, the warriors, the, the leaders, those that had been standing against Rome. And here they were in public display as a sign of the power of Rome, the power of the conqueror, the glory of the conqueror, how well he had done, but also to their shame before the people. And they were in procession on the way to their death. Also in the procession were those who were the, uh, the allies or the friends of the conqueror of Rome. And they would be singing the praises of the conqueror as, uh, as long they went through the streets. And often these, uh, these processions could last two to three days. It wasn't just a, a, a one-hour ordeal, but sometimes an extended um, victory parade. You can go to the next, uh, next slide. Oh, nope. One up. <laughs> yeah. There were two kinds of people, as I said, in the procession. There were the allies of the conqueror, and there were the enemies. Uh, it's an article by a guy named uh, Scott Haffman. He's a reader of the New, New Testament Studies at the University of St. Andrews, and I found this in an article by the Gospel Coalition. It said, The triumphal procession demonstrated Rome's prowess as the victor, not only by parading the spoils of war, but also by leading in triumph the most important leaders and intimidating warriors of the enemy, now presented as conquered slaves. The roles of those led in triumph was to reveal the glory of the one who had conquered them, ultimately through their public execution and death. So why does Paul employ this picture in this text? Who did Paul see himself as? Who does Paul see us as believers as, as we are in this procession that he's leading us in? Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. He says there, uh, he leads us in triumphal procession. So, so why is Paul saying, Paul is seeing himself and us as ones who've been conquered. And who is the conqueror? It's Jesus Christ. He has conquered. He went to the cross. He came through that cross, went to the, the grave, and arose from the grave, the conqueror over sin and death. There is none mightier. There's no mightier king in the world. He is the one who has conquered. And we are in that procession, but, but there's a difference. Whereas the, the Roman conqueror would leave them in procession to their death, Paul is seeing himself as now one who has come to that conqueror and said, I come to you in repentance. I come to you for life. And that conqueror is not like the conquerors of this world. Your conqueror is also your Savior. What a thought. That the one who has the right 
to judge you with an eternal judgment and be just in doing so because of our sin. The very same judge is the one who says, but I would rather show mercy. My my blood was shed for you. My death was in your place. Come to me and be saved. Our judge is our Savior. What judge makes, what conquering king makes his enemy his friend? What conquering king takes one who has the sentence of death and in turn gives them the hope of eternal life? What judge, what conqueror makes the slave his son or his daughter? What, what king would take the homeless orphan and say, I'm adopting you as my own? And not only am I adopting you, but I'm giving you the inheritance that is for my son. He's going to share it with you. What king is like that? What king? Who's king? Your king. You're being led in triumphal procession as one who was going to your death, but now is going to eternal life. What a turn of events. And Paul saw himself as one of those who is in that procession. And instead of being in chains, he's chained to Christ, his Savior, and he's singing the praises of his Savior. I thought of the song, Hallelujah, What a Savior. How many of you know that, that old hymn? We used to sing a lot. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement? Can it be? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King. Think of that procession. All, all his ransomed home to bring. Then anew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. What a King. What a conqueror. You have that opportunity to follow in that procession as one who has been redeemed, ransomed, forgiven, made new, made a son, a daughter. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Paul goes on to, that's just the background of this passage, <laughs> just the background. But I wanted you to see that background because that's where Paul is taking us as he goes into the next verses. And he says, um, and through us he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him, of Christ, everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved and among those 
who are perishing. I'm going to add a little bit more to verse 16. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance of life from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? I want to camp on those, the, the, this little phrase that Paul uses. We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the aroma of Christ, of Christ. Verses, uh, chapter 2, verses, uh, or sorry, chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says these words, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from, from God. We are the aroma of Christ. It's no longer that we're the aroma of myself, but now I am the carrier. I am the, the vessel. I am the one who's filled and owned and indwelt in, in by the living God, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He has now come to dwell within me. And so no longer is it, is it me that the world needs, because the world doesn't need me. <laughs> the world needs Christ. The world needs Jesus. It's not ourself that the world needs. What we proclaim, chapter 4, verse 5, you can go over a little further, he says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. We proclaim Christ. We preach Jesus. We are the aroma of Christ. Now, the word Christ means the anointed. He is the anointed one. And I love this picture, the anointed one. He was anointed. God anointed his son to be the one who would be the ruler of the world. If you go back in Psalm uh, chapter 2, the world, the, the, the kings of the earth are, 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 are rebelling against God and against his anointed. And, G, and God, it says that God laughs. And he says, I have put my anointed one on my holy hill. He's the one you will worship. And in the end, he says, he says to the son, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And the ends of the earth is your reward. That's the reward of Christ. He is God's anointed. And anointing, there was an oil that was anointed. If you go back in chapter uh, 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. This is a beautiful picture that Christ, the anointed one, has now anointed us with his spirit. The fragrance of Christ is now the fragrance that rests upon us. It's a beautiful picture. It's actually this besmearing of all. You've been besmeared with Christ. You are covered with Christ. In fact, it goes so far as we are baptized into him. We've been baptized into Christ. Now think about being baptized in a vat a perfume, <laughs> how you would come out smelling. <laughs> You've been baptized in Christ. It's the aroma of Christ in you. And I made this mention of this, the next point. It's not just that we see Christ as our example, although he's the, the best example ever. But the way we come into Christ is not by simply following his good deeds. Who could do it anyway? Anybody here? <laughs> I sure can't. I've failed miserably. Miserably. 
No, we come into Christ through death. We become the aroma of Christ through death. John chapter 12, I was looking at this this morning. My wife had it open and, and I caught, just caught my attention. Uh, as Jesus came in to Jerusalem in that triumphal entry, um, shortly after, it says in verse uh, 20, uh, there were some Greeks who came and they were they're wanting to see Jesus and they come to Philip and he brings them and Andrew and, 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 and Jesus answers, the, the hour has come, verse 23, chapter 12, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And later in verse 32, he says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he was speaking of his death. It's through the death of Christ that the resurrection follows. We are the ones who identify with the death of Christ. Christ's death is my death to self. One aspect of Christ's death is he did it for us, right, as a substitute. He took my punishment. But another aspect of of the death of Christ, Romans chapter 6, is that we have died with Christ. We are buried with Christ, and we're raised with Christ. It's an identification. When we're baptized, that's the picture we're giving to the world. I have died. It's no longer I who live. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, right? Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who Loved me and gave himself for me. If it's by works, if it's just me following his example, then Jesus didn't need to die. But he did die. So God obviously knew it wasn't just following his example. It wasn't just a set of good works. Oh, I'm going to be like Jesus, and then I'll be okay, and I'm going to come to heaven, and God's going to, "Mm, okay, come on in. No! No! A thousand times, no, that is not the gospel. The gospel is, I am a vile, wicked sinner, and I deserve to die. And the conqueror has conquered. And now the conqueror says, come to me. Be saved. Let me wash you. Come die my death with me. I have died for you. Die with me. Buried with me. And now... Through my resurrection, you are risen to life, and I come and I dwell within you. And then you are now the aroma of Christ. No longer the aroma of me. I died. I died. Now sometimes self gets in the way. It comes back and wants to to be on the... No. Die. Self, die. You're dead. You have been crucified. Buried. You're done. Now it's Christ. And you say, but man, I just really messed up this morning on the way to church, Alan. 
I'm still struggling with that old flesh. Well, what was the answer for that flesh when you first came to know Jesus? Death. It was the cross, was it not? And what's the answer for life? It's the resurrection of Christ. That reality of how you were saved, the moment you were saved, the day you were saved, and today is still the same. It's still by the cross of Christ. The blood of Jesus, 1 John chapter 1, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's a continual ongoing. I've been cleansed, and I'm being cleansed, and I am, will be cleansed. I, it's a once and for all, but it's a continual. The same cross that saved me. I still trust in his cross today. The resurrection that raised me, I still trust in that resurrection today. That's the life in me. We don't graduate from that and say, okay, I'm done with that theology, now I go on. Yes, there's, there's the salvation and there's sanctification, but the growth and sanctification is still based on what Christ did for me. It's not what I can do for myself. And we trust that. We preach that gospel to ourselves day after day. We are the aroma of Christ, not of ourself. The next point, my computer will move, <laughs> is that we are the aroma of Christ to God. Now, sometimes we read this and we go, we are the aroma of Christ among those who are perishing and among those who are being saved. And we forget that little prepositional phrase, to God, to God. Think about that for a moment. Why does Paul put that? We are the aroma of Christ to God. Let me ask you a question. Who is the primary audience of our aroma ship? <laughs> if, you were, if you will. Who's the primary audience of that aroma ship? And where does the aroma come from here? It was through the death of Christ that that aroma arose to God. He was anointed by, remember, even the triumphal entry, the day before, he was, anoint, his, he was anointed by that, you know, on, on his head and his feet, he was anointed with that oil. It was an anointing for his death, the Scripture tells us, for his burial. The aroma of Christ is broken open, if you will, by his death. It's through the sacrifice. When you think back to the Old Testament, when, were, when was there the picture of aroma to God? Was it not in sacrifice? It was when the sacrifice was offered. Think about Noah offering the sacrifice after the flood. And as he sacrifices, it says that the aroma came and, and, and God smelled it. It was a pleasing aroma to him, one of sacrifice. And you see that language throughout the Scripture. Christ is the, 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 Christ is the aroma to God. We are in Christ, so we are the aroma of Christ to God. It's one that comes through death. When we say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I die to myself. And I say, okay, yes, I will follow you by faith. That's an aroma to God. It's the dying of me. In whatever situation. It starts at our salvation, but day by day, as you walk with Christ, you're confronted with opportunities to trust Him or to trust self. And He's calling you and me to die 
again, <laughs> to die to self. Some of you are in some difficult situations, and you want with all your heart to fix it. I wanted on that day to fix it. I wanted to go down to the city hall and say, you guys are out to lunch. Go build your own stinking sidewalks. Well, that would have been Alan. <laughs> that would have been the aroma of Alan. And God would have gone, pew. Yuck. Ooh. Not a good aroma. There's only one aroma that pleases God, by the way. That's Christ. But when we're in Christ, we've died and we've been buried with Him and we've risen with Him. Now I'm in Him. We're the aroma of Christ to God. And God goes, yeah, that's good. That's right. You're the aroma of Christ to God. Die to self day after day, sometimes moment after moment in the day. I see Regina shaking, nodding her head. <laughs> Every mom in here is nodding her head. <laughs> right? <laughs> day after day, and I die to myself. And I say yes to God. It's the aroma of Christ. That's the gospel being played out in your life. God is the main audience of our aroma. And we need to remember this too in our ministries. As you serve as a pastor, as a mom. And I, you know what? Full-time ministry is God, there's, there's, God wants that. But also for those who are in, in, in uh, lay positions and you're, you're working in the world, you're, you're in ministry. We are all ministers of Jesus Christ, okay? So in your ministry, wherever that is, your worship is first unto God. And it's in that, that relationship with God that aroma is then diffused. And the world sees it. Our aroma, though, is not first to the world. Then we become man-fearers, right? But when your aroma is unto God, it's first for Him, it's unto Him. It's, a, it's your Romans chapter 12, right? Your, your spiritual act of worship, right? And in that spiritual act of worship to the Lord, the, the aroma can't be missed by the world. But we need to have that straight. And you know what? That, that helps prevent burnout, <laughs> When our worship is unto God, when our service is first unto God, God is always smiling at Christ. There's always that relationship when it's this way first. It's when we go start going this way that we wear out, right? We need to keep it this way, and then this happens also. <laughs> we are the aroma of Christ to God. And then the next last point. And this little phrase, or clause, I guess, right, for the English teachers, we are the aroma of Christ to God. Um, among. Among. And this is such a beautiful word. Preposition, right? Okay. Where we are, we're among. Among. And uh, John, this is the, what God is calling you to as the aroma of Christ to God is the same thing he called his son to. Think back, John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word, speaking of Christ, the Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling 
among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only one, the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came to live among us. God didn't just send a message from heaven. He did, but He did more. He put the message in flesh. And he, does, he calls us to do the same. He's putting his message in you. He put Christ in you. You in Christ. His message in you to bear that message before the world. And as you worship God, that message then is being spread through you. You are being placed among the world. John chapter 17, verses 11 uh, in that whole second, John chapter 17 is the priestly prayer of Christ just before his death. And in that, in that prayer, he prays for us. And he prays for the disciples. And he prays for us who would come to know through their message. And he, he prays, um, let me turn to that so I don't get it wrong. Uh, verse 11, he says, And I am no longer in the world. He had been in the world. He had been among us. But he's saying, now, I'm, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Speaking of his disciples. They are in the world. Um, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And then he goes on, verse 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. It's not praying that we go, you know, just leave the world and go and be with. No, keep them in the world. Remember, he says later, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you are my witnesses. You're the ones who are going to bear the message among the world. Uh, verse 18, one more thing. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. It's God's intention that we be in the world among, among the people of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, some of those will glorify God by being saved. And that is God's greatest delight. You look back in the Old Testament, I think it's Ezekiel 18, where God says, I don't delight in the death of the wicked. I don't delight in, in, in putting judgment on the wicked. He will do it. He's a holy and just God, and he will judge ultimately. But his delight is in showing mercy. He loves showing mercy. God loves to be gracious. It's his character. God is good. Psalm 34, I think it's verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In his most basic essence of his deity, he is good. He is good. And, and if you ever question because sometimes we do, we go, God, are you really good? Why did you do it this way? And why did you let man fall into sin? And all these questions. If you ever question the goodness of God, remember the cross. What God, what God would choose, even before man sinned, 
would choose to save his people by dying himself. What God does that? There is no God amongst the nations. Go and search if you want to. You will never find another God like our God. There is none like him. Glory in him. Rejoice in his goodness. Spread his aroma. You, you have come to the fountain of living water. There is none like him. None. You are blessed if you're a child of God. And you will find no blessing if you're not a child of God. I beg you to believe and trust in the goodness of God. If you don't know him today like that, come to him and taste of his goodness. He is good. His cross, Romans chapter 8 comes to my mind. He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect. The only one who could, condemn us, who, who, who could condemn us died for us. Christ Jesus. And so we are the, the aroma. Paul was as that one being led in triumphal procession as one who had been saved, forgiven, justified, brought into the family of God. And so the world could see. The procession, the triumphal procession, was out in the open for all to see. And you are being put out on display by the Father for all to see. Those being saved and those perishing. And may we be ones whose lives are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That as we walk in this world, they would see and they would smell the aroma of Christ. Well, I told you I'd finish that story. So the morning came that uh, we were supposed to lay the, the sidewalk. And uh, don't put the pictures up yet. Just hang on a second. The, 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 the morning had come, and... Uh, there was a stack of bricks in our, in our, in our um, company parking lot. We had a, all the buses parked there. And, anyway, there's a stack of bricks. I mean, it was about, about this high and about from there over to David and, and this deep of bricks, just <laughs> bricks. <laughs> all these pavers, you know, have you seen the pavers? And uh, green and red ones, and it was really pretty and everything. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of work. And... Uh, we had about 20 workers, and, uh, and my family was getting on their gloves, and I was doing some stretches. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is going to be a lot of work. And uh, we had to carry those bricks all the way from the front of our building to the, out on the street. Now, the reason you don't put them on the street is because bricks are valuable. And if they'd put them out there on the street, half of them would have been gone. Because <laughs> everyone else had to put drive pavers down on their, their sidewalk, too. So... Um, so we get up and um, we start getting ready for work, and, and I'm still kind of, 
why do we have to do this? We, we could use this money to, I mean, we could barely pay for the, the repairs on our buses, which were being used for the people in the city. So we were already, you know, like dying, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that workers would come for bills that needed to be paid. And I'm like, uh, we're going to have to wait till next month. I mean, there's, I'm opening up the cash box. There's nothing there. So I'm saying to the city, how are we, anyway, so I'm like, okay, Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And so the day starts and people start, you know, carrying bricks and I'm going, and then I don't know at what point it was during the day, but I suddenly stopped and I looked and I realized it wasn't just our workers that were there. God had brought our workers' families. And he brought our workers' neighbors. Instead of 20 people, there was, I don't know, 60, 80 people working together. And suddenly, I began to, my eyes started being open. You can go to the next slide. And not only were the workers working, but, you know, my kids were working and my family was working. And, I, and then I, saw, I watched and I saw, here's my daughter there's a picture of Olivia, and Olivia, she's not here today, and she's with her friend there, and Justina is down here, and everyone was involved. And, uh, and I suddenly realized, I said, oh, oh, that's what this is all about. This isn't about a sidewalk. God was bringing not only our workers. Now, you understand, North Korea, they keep you completely separate from the people. You can't go and have coffee with someone. We would only have inter interaction, interface with our workers because they had to come to work and work. That was our only interaction, meaningful interaction with North Koreans. But on this day, you know, if I had asked the city, hey, we want to have a big barbecue and have all of our workers and have all of their friends and have all of their, their, their family members together and we want to have a big thing and eat together and, you know, do some, something nice. Maybe we'll do something good for the city and sweep up and clean up. They would have said, they wouldn't even, even considered such a petition. No way. We're considered pollution there, right? Polluting the mines and stuff because of the indoctrination and so on. So, as I'm, st I'm watching, I realize, oh, look at what's happening. Here's this little group of believers, my family, and all of our North Korean workers, and then all their families and their friends who've come to help. And what would never have been possible, God opens the door because he wanted to spread his fragrance among those people. And suddenly, the 3000 or whatever dollar sidewalk became priceless. As the aroma of Christ was spreading. This picture was taken at the end of the day. Well, close to the, not quite the end of the day. There's still a lot of bricks there, right? <laughs> but during their work, they stopped. And it wasn't Olivia who initiated the hand hold. It was her friend that she made that day who initiated the handhold. That when we, we had to leave North Korea finally um, as our kids are starting to go off to college. And, and, um, but the day that we left, she came to say goodbye to Olivia. 
the aroma had been spread. And I pray, we pray for these people that they'll be saved. I don't know. Some, some of them have heard the gospel through our lives there and through times where God miraculously opened doors for the gospel to be shared in word. We're praying that that seed would, that's planted would remain and that that aroma that was diffused would remain in their memory, just as aromas are, remain. You can smell a smell and that you didn't smell for 30 years and suddenly takes you back, right? That aroma would remain and that these ones would come to know Christ. It's not about the money. And the troubles that God brings you through, that you're facing right now, that He's saying, trust me, I want to be your Savior. Yes, I'm your Savior for eternal life, but I'm your Savior every day of your life. I want to save you in your relationships that you want to take into your own hands. And he's saying, trust me, endure. I can't endure another day, God. I will give you strength. Trust me. I am your Savior. There is no other. Begin to take him as your Savior, not just on the moment of your day of salvation, but every day of your life. Lord, I will trust you. Save me in this situation. Bring your resurrection life and power into this day, into this moment, into this relationship. And you will see the power of God and the aroma of Christ in spite of yourself. Christ will begin to diffuse his aroma unto God as a worship, as an offering, and before the world as a witness and testimony that He is alive and that He is good and that He is the Savior for all who will come. And His promise, His promise is He will always lead us in triumphal procession. That's his promise. He always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray for those here who know you, for me and for the children of God here that we would trust you day by day, that we would walk the walk of the gospel. Unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Lord, let us live that. Let us not love our lives so much that we shrink back from dying, but let us love you, that we would die with you, that we remember we have died with you, and through that death, your resurrection power comes through us. Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to live that day after day. Lord, I pray, God, for relationships here, for marriages, for work relationships, for work situations, for persecutions, for troubles, whatever it is, for sicknesses, whatever the situations are that your children are walking through right now, give them faith. That same saving faith that saved them, 
Lord, that that faith would continue today and that they would be saved by you in these situations, that you would show your power through them, that you would show your love through them, that you would show your endurance through them, and that through them your, your fragrance, Jesus, would be diffused and that people would come to know that saving power of Jesus Christ in their lives, Lord. God, bless your people. Give them faith day by day. Give them grace to endure day by day. Give them them that strength to obey day by day. And through their lives, Lord, glorify Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you here. Father, I pray for open eyes. I pray for a nose that would that that aroma would not be an aroma of death, but an aroma of life, to life. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, I pray, I beg of you to turn to him. I beg of you to take a taste of God and see that he is good and that Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who trusts in him, who takes refuge in him. Would you turn to him today and be saved? If your answer to that is yes, please take time to to see David or Regina or those in this church who would who would welcome you into the family of God. Lord, bless this church. Let them be the aroma of Christ to you, Lord God. And may they, as the church, as the body of Christ in this area, Lord, of Colorado, be among the people. Help them to be among the people and to spread that fragrance, to manifest you, Jesus, through their lives. May you be glorified, Lord God, and may the world see and hear. I pray that blessing on them. And may that spread. May they be able to send more and support more who are going to other places where there is not a church. Lord, may that that mission of God continue, as you have said, to the ends of the earth, till every creature under heaven has heard that good news of Christ. Lord, may they they extend to the the farthest parts where, where the gospel has not yet reached, Lord. May they have the blessing of doing that too, I pray. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.